Welcome to the Building the Elite Podcast, where we discuss the physical, mental, and emotional aspects of human performance within military special operations by looking at the principles that can help anyone thrive in chaotic and challenging environments. This is Craig from BTE. For a little over a year, early in my time in the military, I had to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I did this so that I could walk to the special programs workout that started at 3.45 on the other side of the base. My routine was robotic. As soon as my alarm went off, I'd jump, literally because I was on the top bunk, out of my bed. I had to silence my alarm quickly because I had roommates who weren't involved in special programs, and they didn't start their day for another five hours. I'd get dressed, drink a tiny amount of whey protein or a recovery powder, grab a small pack with a towel and goggles, and be out the door by exactly 3.14. At 3.20, I was down five flights of stairs and waiting under a streetlight in front of my barracks for a friend. By 3.35, I was checked in, standing in line with my boat crew, and waiting for the doors to open for about two hours of training. There was no wiggle room in this routine. An extra five minutes in bed would mean that my friend would fall behind schedule for the handful of minutes he might wait for me, and that we would both be late to get checked into our boat crews before the doors opened, unless we ran the whole way. These workouts were brutal as they were, so starting them out fatigued from running, or out of sorts from scrambling to get checked in, or worse yet, not making the check-in time, was a guaranteed way to have a very bad day. The main weak point in this process was simply getting out of bed. In the middle of winter in Chicago, where the Navy base was, with wind beating snow against the window at 3 a.m., There's not much I would have rather done than stay warm in my bed for a few moments longer before trudging through a snowstorm in ridiculous UDT shorts and a hoodie to get into a pool for several hours and then try not to drown. My solution to make sure I was always on time had nothing to do with an inordinate amount of willpower. I simply put my alarm clock on a shelf on the other side of the room. When it went off, I had to get completely out of bed to shut it off, and I had to do it quickly in order to not be a complete jerk to my roommates. Staying in bed was just no longer an option. This is Jonathan from BTE. We all make grandiose plans for our future selves. On Monday, I'm going to start learning a new language, working out early every morning, and eating better. I'll go to that butcher shop and get grass-fed beef for dinner, along with my kale and blueberries. And instead of watching TV... I'll read that book I've been meaning to get to, and I'll only do that after I've reshingled the roof. The thing is, we never meet our future selves, and they'll never get around to any of the tasks we assign to them, because when that projected future time rolls around, it's our experiencing selves who take charge. And the last time they face the idea of all that stuff that required willpower, our current selves just dumped it on that other guy in the future. One of the little ways I keep myself aware of this concept is by referring to my credit card as Future John. I say things like, don't worry, Future John will pay for this. It's easy to hit the snooze button or lay in bed an extra few minutes too long, but we can't reliably change this by convincing ourselves that tomorrow will be different. Staying in bed is a symptom of the system as a whole, a byproduct. By changing that system, so that it's no longer easy to stay in bed or hit the snooze alarm, it becomes a non-issue. Research into how people use willpower turns up an interesting paradox. 
The people who score best on assessments of self-control by saying things like, I am good at resisting temptation, also spend the least time doing so. In other words, the people whose behavior seems to reflect self-control are actually in environments that need less of it. The takeaway here isn't that we all need to move to monasteries. It's that we can use a small amount of effort right now to shape the world around us in a way that saves repeated effort in the future. This can be through internally mediated means, such as developing new habits or routines. Most of us brush our teeth every day because that's just what we do, not because we have to say a prayer and summon a burst of motivation to get it done. The same could be said for a daily workout, a good breakfast, or an evening routine that promotes deep sleep. Once we've consciously worked on something for long enough, it becomes our default, something that we do well without thinking about it, which means that we then have mental bandwidth to think about other things. This can also be externally mediated, by deliberately shaping our environment. If you know that you need to eat more nutrient-dense food to recover better and perform at your best, then you can stock your fridge with healthy things and throw away the convenience foods. If you struggle with distractions before bed and often find yourself staring into a melatonin-killing bright screen at night, you can use an app to block your access to social media after a certain time. Just remove the source of friction rather than fighting it. One of our clients provided a great example of this in his daily routines a while back. He had started tracking his HRV, or heart rate variability. He needed to do it around the same time each morning right after waking. To take his reading, he needs his heart rate strap and his phone. It's very easy to wake up and grab your phone and go down some distraction rabbit hole and forget to take the reading. His solution was to fold up his heart rate strap each night and set it on top of his phone. With that, he can't touch his phone without first touching the heart rate strap and reminding himself that it's measurement time. Digital distractions take a big toll on our time, attention, and mental health. And there are lots of options out there that allow you to make a decision once so that you don't have to willpower your way through resisting a technology that's been expertly designed to be addicting. Apps like Rescue Time that track how you spend your screen time and can be set to shut down your access to certain websites or apps once you've used your allotted time. There's another app blocker called Freedom that's another great option for this. iPhones now have a function for this in the screen time settings. You can set daily limits for specific apps and your phone will lock you out of them once you exceed them. There are also website-specific browser extensions, such as Newsfeed Eradicator for Facebook. Once it's installed, you can no longer see the dumbest person you went to high school with arguing with Russian teenagers in the newsfeed, which is very mentally freeing. Once you've eliminated those things from your life, you'll wonder why you ever allowed them in in the first place. We have an upcoming podcast episode with several 18 Delta and SACA medics discussing advice for making through their extremely difficult medical course. The idea of developing good systems came up quite a bit for things as broad as developing good studying habits to specific things like prepping your med bag and all your equipment in a particular way. One of our guests described how he and his fellow students would prep each piece of gear so that it was as quick as possible to grab and use. They'd roll their IV kits into little bundles so that when they needed them, they didn't have to sort through their bags. They'd grab one bundle, unfold it, and have everything they needed ready to go in one place. 
They even pull open the little tabs on sealed packages and place bits of tape on them so that when they were hurrying to get them open under stress, they didn't have to carefully try to catch the little peel-away seal with their fingernails. They could just grab their pre-staged pull tab and pop it right open. Every little step in that process saved time and mental bandwidth, and that foresight helped them to perform well in their course. Most of what we do on a daily basis is due to habit, not because of some great act of willpower. More specifically, it happens because it's been built into the structure of our lives. You should use this to your advantage when building new habits. We break down the process for doing this into the three S's. Systems, structures, and scheduling. Systems are a series of actions that you take to execute a bigger task. For example, making a grocery list, picking those things up at the store, organizing your fridge, and then cooking that food. Build any new habit as part of a bigger system. Want to eat more quality protein? Document every step of the process from what you'll buy, when, how you'll cook it, and how it will come with you to work, school, or wherever you are. Don't just describe the outcome like, I'm going to work out better or more often and call it a day. Instead, look at every input that supports that outcome. Those are the variables that you can control. As you're doing this, think back to one of our previous episodes and remember that trying is lying. It doesn't matter what you say you're trying to do, or what you should do. What matters is what you choose to actually do. The more effort you put into your personal systems, the more you are leaning towards doing things instead of just consoling yourself by saying that you're trying to. Structures are the things around you, such as how your kitchen is laid out, where you put your keys, etc. The more the structures in your life drive healthy habits, the easier those habits are to do. If you want to eat more protein, put your slow cooker on the counter before shopping and throw the meat in as soon as you return from the grocery store. If you're trying to get in more work capacity stuff, set a kettlebell somewhere that you'll walk past it a lot and do a few sets of something every time you walk by. As an example, when I was a young soft student early in the pipeline in the military, I needed to work on swimming every chance that I got. So I made a habit of carrying a backpack everywhere with me that had a towel, goggles, shorts, and some post-workout food. Anytime I had a spare moment, I had everything I needed to drop in at the pool on short notice. I made sure that I could never make an excuse and say that I didn't get into the pool that day because I didn't have time to go and get my stuff. Scheduling is how you spend your time. These are things like when you're going to work out, go to bed, go to work, and on and on. If we go back to our nutrition example and you're trying to eat more protein, ask yourself, when will you do your shopping? When will you cook your food? And when will you get it together each day? Put each step in your calendar alongside all the other stuff that matters to you. When will you work out? Get your errands done and spend quality time with your loved ones. Make a conscious choice and schedule it. Use the three S's, systems, structures, and scheduling, to make it as easy as possible to implement new practices into your life. When things don't work, which is inevitable, adjust and keep moving forward. Setbacks will happen. It's impossible to account for everything. But each setback is a useful gift if you use it to improve your three S's. 
Repeat this process, and pretty soon you'll have a robust set of skills. Think of a drop of water. You want it to get from point A to point B. You're not going to expect the water to get there because that's what's good for it. You expect it to get there because that's where gravity will take it. And if that environment were to change, so would the path of the water. We're not as different from that drop of water as we may like to think. Our actual control over our future actions is limited. What we can control, however, is what we do right now to shape our future environment so that the path of least resistance is the one that we actually want ourselves to take. Take a moment and think about how you can change your own system so that, just like that drop of water, the direction you're most likely to go is the direction you want to go. Consider any small bits of friction in your day that tip you, even slightly, away from the direction you want to go. Where are you getting stuck dealing with the symptoms of a poor system rather than improving the system itself? In other words, to use a silly barnyard analogy, where in your life are you too busy chasing cows to fix the fence? Take a step back, zoom out, and look at what's helping to produce that friction. When you have a moment, later today, take out a pen or tap some notes into your phone and ask yourself, one piece at a time, where you could change your system, structures, and scheduling for the better. From here, test and iterate. All facts are friendly, so look for the places where the machine that you're building doesn't yet work well enough. Keep tweaking it. Over time, you can become one of those people who seems to have great willpower because you don't actually have to rely on willpower to get things done each day. You'll have created a system that makes it easy to go with the flow and become the person you want to be. That's it for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If so, please leave us a review, subscribe so that you can catch future episodes, and share this one with somebody that you think might like it. Please go to buildingtheelite.com where you can download a free sample chapter of our book, read more articles, access free training guides to help you set up your training process for special operations selection, and use our fitness profile tool to gain an objective sense of your physical strengths and weaknesses relative to what is needed to succeed in special operations selection.